for those of you that are on Eastern Time, good evening for all my friends that are on the uh, are on the West Coast. This is still good afternoon. So, <laughs> all right, all right. So why are we all here? So we are here um, to set ourselves up uh, for an amazing 2024. So um, contrary to what I've seen, not in just this industry, uh, but just across a lot of the different industries in general, uh, there seems to be uh, not as greater as, as great of an emphasis around sales. So I wanted to talk about that specifically, uh, but then delve into one of the components of the sales uh, sales piece, which is actually the producer. So that's us, uh, and making sure that uh, the individual uh, is taken care of, and the individual understands and just has a constant reminder of why they're you know, why they're in the role. Uh, that they're in uh, today, because unless you have this uh, North Star, and you'll hear me talk about that a little bit later, or, or guiding light, another way to look at it, it's very, very easy to kind of fall off the horse, so to speak. Because, um, you know, and as, as everyone knows here, you know, sales, you know, it's, it's, it's a very up and down uh, roller coaster ride. And the more that we can try to limit the ups and downs, the more even keel we'll be, and, and the more we'll actually see our businesses grow uh, exponentially, actually. So uh, just taking a step back for a second, for those of you that don't know, and this is my uh, first time for me meeting you, uh, my name is Philip Dancer, and I am the owner of Dancer & Co. Uh, we have multiple inspectors at our company, um, but we've been really, really fortunate to grow over the years. Going into, so moving into 2024, um, that'll actually be year four for us. So within that very short window of time there, um, very, very we've, we've grown quite, quite significantly, uh, so, so much so um, that we needed so much help that my wife even does all of our, off, all of our office management um, in the background, which is actually really, really cool. Uh, so um, I am a certified professional inspector and I am also a certified master inspector. So, all right, let's get started. So how are we going to, uh, make sure that we have a great 2024. Uh, and that's, and how we're going to do that is we're going to take a look at ourselves and see what drives us specifically. And then that's going to be our North Star, North Star or guiding light. Um, so when you all think about what makes somebody successful in business in general, what would, what would you say? What, what would you say are some of the key uh, attributes? that someone would need to have or focus on in order to be successful. I like that, Phil. Uh, Phil, Phil has said, always learning. Always learning, I like that. To any time management, that's a big one. What about some of you? What about someone else? What is the, let's, let's, let's get one more. Oh, Phil, humil humility. Anthony, po positive perspective. I like being always being positive, yes, because there's so many ups and downs. There's so many ups and downs um, with that roller coaster ride. So there are three different things that I've identified um, in my years of, of being a professional salesperson uh, that, that makes somebody successful um, across the board. Um, so one is their ability to sell and engage others. The second one 
is the experience that they create. So once you've sold that prospect, now turned into a client on yourself and your company and the business, what's the type of experience that you're creating? Does it leave them essentially, wow, like this is a great experience. I want to tell all my friends and family. I'm gonna, you know, and you know what? I'm actually going to tell my coworkers too. Because I heard he, he's going to be buying a house. And I want him or her to have the best. So experience, experience is, is something across the board that a lot of the top producers uh, will, focus in, will, will focus on. And the last one is around competency. So that's your, 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 your technical prowess. So how good are you at inspecting? How good are you at, let's say, reading contracts or talking to people or negotiating with people? Now, um, so with those three things in mind, your ability to sell and engage, the experience that you create, and your technical competency, which one do you all think is the most important? Out of those three, I'm curious. So again, there's three different types of skill, skill sets. Your ability to sell and engage, the experience that you're gonna create, and then your technical competency. Bill thinks it's the experience. Jay Hall also thinks experience. Tony, competency. I agree with David. I agree with Mr. David. It's your ability to sell. It is absolutely your ability to sell. Oh, we've got another one. Anthony said all of them. Change it up. Renew the approach. So in my opinion, I think the number one is going to be your ability to sell. Followed up very, very closely by all. Because they all, they all are very, very important, as, as, as Anthony mentioned. But why? Why is your ability to sell outweighing everything else? Because if you think about it, if you're the most technically competent person in the room and you have the ability to inspect the heck out of the house or you're a master negotiator, does it really matter if you don't have anyone to help? Because your skill set isn't where it needs to be. You don't have anyone to help, right? Yes. You cannot get to the other steps without the first step. Jay Hall is absolutely correct. You could be the, the best person that provides a white glove level of client service for every single one of your clients. You might be the best person that, that has the ability to make your client think that they are the only client that you have. But if you don't have enough of them, it's not gonna work out long-term. Now also, on the contrary, if the only thing that you can do well is sell, but you don't have the ability to create that wow experience, and you don't have the technical competency, you're also not going to be around very long. Because people are going to realize very, very, very quickly <laughs> that, that it's not what you told them. <laughs> it's not what they taught. It's not what you talked about. This is not the experience is not what we talked about. So, but if you can hone in on your sales ability, that will buy you time. It will absolutely buy you time to work out the kinks when it comes to creating an, an experience that is very, very unique and different from everybody else. 
that's very different from everyone else in the marketplace. And it'll also buy, it'll also buy you time to increase, to, to increase your competency level too. So um, all of them are important, but I think the first one, sales ability, that is what's going to give you the longest longevity. All right. Thanks for the interaction, y'all. All right, so let's move on. So now that we know that, that sales is, is, is incredibly important, now we have to talk about what are the different, what are the different skills that you're going to have to master in order to be a good salesperson. So some of the different things that you're gonna to have to master, one, I think everyone knows this, that, that's had some type of sales background, scripts. Scripts are very, very important. So for those of you that aren't familiar with, with scripts, so one of the overall arcing themes that you're gonna hear me talk about um, throughout, th throughout our webinar this evening is the concept of control. In sales, the person that is able to control the most amount of variables will have a much better chance at succeeding and becoming profitable and also achieving their goals. Now in life and in sales, as we all know, there are so many variables that we cannot control. And if, first, and if we try to focus on and just harp on and gravitate towards all those different variables that are way beyond our control, we will absolutely drive ourselves mad. And then we're gonna go down the spiral that we do not want to go down. Um, and we'll get into that later. But scripts, scripts are a way to control the conversation with our prospects and clients. Because there are so many different variables that a client could bring in to a conversation, we need to try and define what that conversation looks like. So it's essentially a pre-written type of dialogue where you know what you're gonna say at the beginning of the conversation, what you're gonna say in the middle of the conversation and end with an end goal in mind, which is they're signing up for what it is that you are the professional at. So once you're able to memorize that script, then you can actually stop focusing on what you're gonna say and you can actually pay attention to your client or the prospect. You can listen to the voice fluctuations. You can watch their body language and you'll be able to see how they react and respond to different things that you're saying. And then you can actually tailor that conversation a little bit further to how they're interacting. And that's the cool part about sales is once you can get out of the whole script itself, then you can actually, then it actually becomes a lot of fun. All right, so that's scripts. The next one that, you, that, that a salesperson is gonna have to master is objection handling. So there was something that was taught to me very, very early, early, early on um, when, I got, when I got into sales over 15 years ago. We all get objections every single day. But how do we overcome them? The process of overcoming them is called objection handling. And the phrase that I'll never forget is handle the objection before it becomes an objection. If you're able to determine what that prospect or your client is going to say as to the reason why they think it's not a good idea yet to go with your proposal or yourself, the greater chance you have of overcoming that objection. But if you're not able to read that client 
and you're having a different conversation with them every single time because there isn't a set script in place, then you could possibly miss signs of your client or prospect about to object. So handle the objection before it becomes an objection. That is a skill. And it's actually a really fun skill to master. All right, the next one, the conversation and the experience. That's how once you're able to uh, master the scripts, you'll be able to control that conversation and lead the client where you want them to go. And the last one, which I think is the most important one, and it's also something that is always an ongoing challenge, it's never gonna stay the same, is knowing yourself. And that's the whole point. That's the whole theme of this webinar today. Getting to know yourself through self-reflection. So the reason why we all got into the roles or the businesses that we're in today is because we left a previous, we left the previous role. We left the previous business, a previous job because we left for greener pastures. The roles that we're in today was a better fit for ourselves personally, professionally, and for our families. But sometimes in the course of our daily lives and just running our businesses, we lose sight of that. And then all of a sudden, what became really, really exciting, all of a sudden it's boring and it's mundane. And then you become jaded. And then all of a sudden, those skills that you had, that have taken you a long time to master, scripts, objection handling, being able to control the conversation, all of a sudden those things start to falter or waver. You're no longer as sharp. The knife is no longer as sharp as it used to be. So that's why I think self-reflection and knowing yourself and your own personal why is so important. Does that make sense for everybody? Awesome. All right. Oh, so here's that word again, control. So focus on what you can control. The more that you are able to control the variables that are actually within your control, the greater you're going to have, the greater probability you're going to have for success. It's actually quite easy when you think about it. Control what's in your what's 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 in your control. Okay. So talking about the emotional roller coaster, has anyone noticed? For or, or for, for for those of you that have been around in sales for a little bit, has has anyone noticed? That when, when times are really good and just and sales are just accumulating um, and, and it seems like it's just accumulating out of, out of thin air, everybody says yes. Everyone is saying yes. And you don't even know what you're doing. They, they call you, you pick up the phone. They're like, I, I need this. I need this. This is amazing. But then when all of a sudden, as soon as you get one no, the first no turns into two. And then the second no turns into three. And then all of a sudden you wake up one day and you, th and you think to yourself, gosh, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I, if I try to sell a box of cookies to my parents, I, I don't even think I could do that. 
my parents would say no. And I don't think I'm doing anything wrong. I'm still using the same script. I seem to be, I, I seem to be anticipating the objections that are coming in. I'm controlling the conversation, I think. I know why I'm here, but for some reason, everyone's, everyone's saying no. I, I've, I've hit this impact. I've hit this roadblock. And one of the things that I, I've learned throughout my career is that people are really good at sensing our moods. Um, so what, I think that is the reason why when we're doing so well, people just want to join in. It's because of the vibe that we're putting out. It's because they can sense the elation in our voice. They can sense the confidence in our voice. It's unwavering. We're very sure of ourselves. We've provided the service or product a million times, and we know it, how, how it's going to benefit them. But then when you look at it from the opposite end, if for some reason, if we've encountered several no's, which always happens, but as soon as you start encountering several in a row, all of a sudden our mood changes. Our voice gets a little bit shaky. We start to second guess what we were taught. And then that's that vibe. People sense a vibe from us. And sometimes it can be hard to change that, change that vibe, even when we're trying to be super, super positive. I know we've all experienced that at some point in our lives, especially when it, when it comes to sales. So I think one of the most important things is when, when, when we're encountering that roadblock, of the vibe is we need to remind ourselves, we need to have reasonable expectations. We need to set reasonable expectations, just like we do with our, with our clients. We set reasonable expectations. So for the inspectors, this is how we inspect. It's not, it's not realistic for us to be able to find things behind walls, is it? When it comes to, for, you know, for, for all of our realtor friends, it's not reasonable to expect that on our first at bat for a home that we like, that we're gonna win, especially with how the market is. We set reasonable expectations with our clients and we should set reasonable expectations with ourselves. And far too often I see producers and sometimes top producers straight from that and they get down on themselves. And then there, there comes this downward spiral where all of a sudden it affects their mood and then the vibe changes. So sometimes that is beyond your control. And we, and we should not, you know, and we, we can't try to you know, focus again on something that we can't control. So moving on to the next slide. So how do we try to um, set reasonable expectations with ourselves? and control as much of our emotions as we can. That is the North Star approach or the guiding light approach. This is, this is the concept that I've used from day one since I've been in sales. This is, again, as I mentioned before, it's very, very, very easy once you get into the swing of things to lose sight of why you're even here in the first place. So you got to have something set up that's permanent in that metaphorical sky that you're constantly looking at to remind you why you're here. So 
using that North Star approach, there's two different pieces or components to it. So one is on the top left corner of the screen. That's what I call the witty wiffy. This is what I was taught years ago. That acronym, it stands for what do you want for yourself? This is something that should be, that, that you should reevaluate every year. And actually this webinar is perfect. It's perfect because we're moving into a new year. 2024 is going to be a banner year for a lot of people. And I want it to be a banner year for everyone in this, on this webinar and listening. And the way that you're able to do that and, and start off on the right foot is by re-evaluating why you're here. The other one, no plan B. You cannot have a way out. I've seen this so many different times, and I'm sure a lot of my sales colleagues here on this webinar can attest to that. We've all seen both ends of the spectrum. For the producers and the business owners that made the role that they're in, the only option for success is what happens. They're successful because they, they have that will and determination to do it. For the other end, where they had an internal, where they had an internal way out, a plan B, if you will, never works out. Never does. So let's, let's expand on that. All right. So when it comes to the left side, that's going to be associated with the no plan B. It's going to re remind yourself why you cannot have a plan B. So I'm actually going to do this on myself. I'm going to walk you guys through this for me. Um, and then on the right side, it's more about the goals and aspiration. This is your witty whipping. So the first one. So what did I do previously before I got into home inspections? What I did, I was in banking. I was in banking and financial planning before I got into the role that I'm in today. And I've been doing this for four years. So I've been doing, I've been, I was in, in finance and banking for over 15 years. It's a long time. When I left, I was um, pretty much at the top of what I did. A lot of people thought I was crazy <laughs> for actually leaving because essentially I was starting again from scratch. But I left because I knew it wasn't a good fit for me. I was just going through the motion. I wasn't happy. You know, even though I was at the top, I didn't have a life. Worked all the time. Never saw my family. Around that same time, our first, uh, our first child was, was born, Charlotte. Um, when I left, I believe she was about four at that time period. So there were four years where I really didn't see as, mu as, as much of her or got to hang out and you know, spend time with her as, as much as I should have. And I didn't really realize, realize it at that, at, at that particular time. Um, but it was, it was, hap it was happening. Um, I didn't really enjoy what I was doing either. Um, I just kept on moving forward because I was confident enough to be able to 
move into the next role and to serve different levels of clientele. But I realized at the end of the day that the role that I was in was no longer going to work. I think it was back in 2000 and, um, 2015, my, my mom, she, she's no longer around, um, she passed away. Um, she passed away of, of, of cancer uh, and, it was, and it was quite sudden. Uh, she had angiosarcoma. And if I remember correctly, angiosarcoma, it's a cancer of the lungs and it's actually a quite rare cancer. It's the, uh, I think only 20% of all cancers, lung cancers, lung cancers in the United States is actually angio, angiosarcoma. And it's actually quite aggressive uh, to the point where there's not a, there's not a high success uh, in terms of just getting, getting, getting the patient well. So um, by the time that our family realized what was happening um, to the point where she had passed away, I think it was like a couple months, wasn't very long. Um, it's, 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 it still impacts me to, the, to this day. And you know, going through that whole entire experience um, and then just dealing with everything that happens with, you know, with, 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 with the passing of a loved one, I realized that not around for my family. Didn't really matter um, you know, you know, how, how, you know, how well I was doing or how much I was making if I wasn't able to spend time with my family. And we only get one shot, right? Everyone gets older. For those of you who have kids, we all know they shoot up like beans. <laughs> you know, and we and we can't ask for that time back. So I was actually forced to take a break from that. Um, it was a forced time, you know, forced time out, forced time off. And then I was I was able to really, you know, kind of like focus on myself, that self-reflection that I was talking about, and really try to figure out what I wanted to do, what was going to be my next step. And I told myself, I am going to do something this time around that not only do I love doing, but also allows me to have time with my family. And then somehow I found, I found myself into real estate. <laughs> that, was around, that, was, that was around the time where, um, where we also bought our house that we're li living in now at the same time. Um, and it was built in like the, I think it was built in like the mid-90s. So it was a little, it was a little dated and you know, we all know renovations are expensive. So I did half the renovations myself with no construction background. <laughs> Let me tell you how much fun that was. But anyways, long story short, going through the whole process of actually doing some of the re renovations myself, um, finished from carpentry, actually. Um, I actually realized I loved doing construction. And then that's how I found myself into real estate. So that's essentially my no plan B. If home inspections didn't work for me or doesn't work for me, where am I going to go? I would have to go back into finance because that's the only other thing that I know. And I'm definitely not going back into finance. <laughs> definitely not going back into banking. That's for sure, where I don't have a life. I have, even though I work probably just as hard, if not harder than I do, uh, that, that I did when I was in banking, I still have flexibility with my life. I control my calendar. I'm able to set my own time and see my, you know, see my family, take vacations when I want to. That was one of my, that was one of my goals, um, and that was one of the things that was important to me to my witty withy. 
And that's the reason why I knew that this role for me had to work because I'm not going back. So that's the why. So why do you think your current role would work? So that's something that you need to remind yourself of. So that way you're not going back. The next one, when you're thinking about long-term. So where do you wanna be? So if you're brand new to the industry in real estate, think about where you wanna be in your first year. What do you wanna do? What do you wanna accomplish? But then for, for those of us that have been in the industry for a while now and that have tenure, since we're moving into 2024, what do we wanna accomplish? in this upcoming year. And then I'm actually going to change it on the slides for those of us that have tenure. What about year three? What about year five? Goals are important, but we're gonna change it again because on the slide it says professional versus personal. We're not really gonna talk about professional that much because me coming from a corporate environment for so long, um, Talking about professional goals, it's important, yes, because you need to be able to track things. But from where I'm coming from, doing it for years, that's cliche. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe it's because it's my age, but that's cliche. If you start to, if you start talking about, oh my, I want to sell this this many units, or I want to help you know this, you know, this amount of family, you know, this amount of families um, per week with, with the inspections, I mean, you're gonna get burned out in two seconds. That's not fun. That's not exciting. You're going to lose sight. You're going to lose sight of, of why you allowed yourself uh, to go into 2024 in the first place. Here's something that's more exciting. What about us? What about ourselves? We got into the roles that we're doing today, right? Not because we are, we are uh, living to work, but I would imagine the majority of us are working to live. We want to earn enough money so that way we can live. Life is not always about working and solving other people's problems. It's a pretty big component to it, but it's not everything. And I think that's where we get lost when, when, when we look at everything in totality. And I think that's where a lot of people start to kind of fall off the horse. They start skewing to, too much towards numbers, 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 numbers. So um, I'll use myself as, as, an, as, as an example again. Um, so what I wanted to do in my first year when I actually got out, um, out and in, into the workforce, and this was way back when, this was back in 2000, I don't know, 2005. Um, starting to date myself now, but <laughs> um, I, just, I just turned 40. So um, I'm not, not embarrassed by saying, um, but my, my goal, in, the, in, uh, in my first year was I wanted to buy a Nissan 350Z convertible, red. That was part of my witty witty. And I made, and, and, and I was so honed in on my witty wiffy, and we'll talk about it on another slide here, here, here too in a, in a few moments. I was so honed in on it, and I was so bought into the whole concept of, of witty wiffy, I needed to make sure I didn't fall off the horse. So what did I do to remind myself of why I was doing what I was doing? Calling people every single day that had no idea who I was. And you guys might think this is, you guys and gals might think this is a little extreme, but it, extreme, but it worked. I showed up to the dealership at least once a month. 
until I got that car. Yeah. <laughs> the salespeople, the salesperson, he thought every single time I stepped into, the, into that dealership, he thought I was going to buy it right then and there. Big smile on my face every single time. I had to, I, I had to disappoint him for, se for several months, but um, at the end, I ended up getting that car. But why was I showing up every single time? Or why was I showing up every single month? I showed up every single month because I knew I needed to remind myself of why. I sat in the car, test drove it, looked at the brochure. Did that, did that, did that strategy work? Yeah, yeah, it did. I got the car. So I started, when did I start? I started, um, I started for that financial planning company uh, as soon as I got out of school. Um, so that was in, when do, uh, when do most graduations happen? In May, I think. Um, and by the following April. I was in the car. I mean, how cool is how cool is that? I mean, that's how bought in I was I was to the wedding whip. So also that's the reason why I'm telling you all that. That's that's how important I think it is to break down the goals that you have for yourselves, which is very, very personal. Witty whiffies are very, very personal to what you want and what you desire. Okay. Last one is. So how do you so how so how do you want to remind yourselves of your goals? I just I just I just went over how I did it for the car. I just showed up all the time. But there are different ways to remind yourselves because it may not be a car for, for some of you. Maybe it's a vacation. Maybe it's a a vacation house. Maybe it's a, a saving for your kids' college education. Maybe it's retiring early. That's the cool thing about the witty whiffy. It's so unique. It's so personal. And if you were to actually sit down and talk to everyone um, that is live on the webinar right now, or that's going to be listening to the webinar later, it's actually really inspirational to hear their story and their background, why they left their previous role, why they can't go back, and what's going to drive them moving forward. And just listening to those witty whiffies over and over again. I bet you, if you listened to three, three more, that would, that, that, would, that would get you amped up and excited for at least the next month. Because you have other people, you have talked to other people that are just like you, that made the switch to better themselves. And are super excited about what 2020-24 holds. So um, another example um, for me is so what I was doing was I also had I had I had pictures. I had pictures of different homes that I thought were in my reach when I first when I first started working. They were all over my cubicle. They were right next to the to, to my to my to my, uh, to my computer screen. So every single time when I picked up the phone, and I was talking to a client or I was talking to a prospect, right there, right in front of my face, as I was talking, was a picture of that house, or a picture of the car. Other 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 of you, some of you might find reading quotes 
that might be inspiration. I mean, they have some pretty cool, cool inspirational quotes that people post all the time on social media. Maybe it makes sense to snap, uh, snapshot, screenshot some of those quotes that really resonate with you. Maybe it means printing them out. Make it, make it your, uh, your screen lock background. Or maybe it's an experience that you've rewarded yourself in the past with. Maybe that's how you're going to remind yourself. But that's, that's the witty with and that's And that's something that I think everyone should take the time uh, to really self-assess. That's gonna that's that's gonna drive me forward. All right, so I know I just went over a ton there on the witty whippy. So again, we'll we'll take questions here at the end. So um, for those of you that want to expand on that, go ahead and just jot some of those questions down, and then we'll save some time at the end for for some Q and A. All right. So going back to the whole emotional roller coaster, the roller coaster ride. So what happens when you get into a funk? Because it's not a it's not a question of if you're going to get into a sales funk. It's when. So I put up six different ways that you can actually um, different concepts that you can use to try and get yourself over it. Because remember, it's the vibe, it's the mood that you're slowly delving further and further in where people are going to sense that they're going to sense your voice shake that we got to shake ourselves out of that so uh some of the ones that 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 have really worked for me i've put it up here on this particular slide um i think one getting inspired we talked about we talked about that um i think in in, in quite detail one of the other ones that i think is actually really neat a really neat concept is take a trip. So when you're when you're working day in and day out, and you're growing your business, why don't you set a goal for yourself in two months, three months? Make it a quarter a quarter goal. If you hit a certain number for your sales goal for the next quarter, take a trip. Reward yourself. Do it in smaller chunks because if you set an annual goal um, and don't break it down further. It's very, very hard to always stay focused. So break it down a little bit further. Make it a little bit, make it a little bit more attainable, faster. So, but when you take that trip, so when you hit that goal and you take that trip, make that trip, stretch it. And when I mean stretch it, make it slightly expensive. So for those of you that are thinking, Nashville, why would I? Why would I make a trip expensive? I'm trying, to, I'm trying to save here. Remember, guys and gals, this is sales. We're all salespeople. What do salespeople feed off of? Emotion. Emotion. So if you take a trip that is slight, that is that is, that is slightly beyond what you might deem as expensive, and you had an amazing time on that trip. Tons of memories, Instagram stories everywhere. People are commenting. What's going to end up happening when you get back from that trip? 
you're going to want to take it again. You're going to want to show back up. You're going to want to go back. And what's that going to do? That is going to reinvigorate you. You're going to have a fresh new perspective in your role as a business leader, as a sales professional. And that's going to drive you forward. That's the whole concept by stretching your, stretching your trip, stretching your vacation, because you have to get back. You just have to find a way back. So that's that. One of the other ones that I think is really, really important um, that is part of uh, just constantly reminding yourself is have a support group. I think that's something that is really overlooked when it comes to um, just sales in general. I have a support group. I know, I know inspectors all over the country where I get, to, I get to chat with them every single day in terms of what went well, what's going wrong, but then also share, share, share something that I've got going on that's, that's really good. And it's, and it's, such, a, it's, it's such a blessing to be able to see other people do well and get inspired off of that. But then also, if for some reason, if I'm going through a funk, these other individuals in my support group can pick me up. There are only so many people that understand what you and I are going through. And you, and you need to find other people, and not necessarily in your local region, but you need to find like-minded people that have the same goals and aspirations and dreams as you do, and then lean on them for support. The other one that I think is interesting is, again, past achievements. Again, if you, when you encounter that roadblock, it's gonna be really easy to forget all the different things that you've achieved in your current role, but then, and also in a previous role. Save those, save those achievements, whether it be an email from a supervisor, whether it be a letter of recommendation, whether it be a text from a client that says, you got the gig, save those. Put them in places where it's easy for you to see. Because I think that's something that's really, really important to constantly remind yourself that you are good at what you do and that sales is an up, up, up and down roller coaster ride. And there are certain things that are out of your control but you're not going to worry about those things that are just way beyond your control. You're going to focus on the things that you have full control over. So by now, I think you all have, uh, I think you all can answer this question. When it comes to sales, what is the name of the game? What is the name of the game that we are playing? Um, for those of you that are going to be listening to this webinar uh, and can't actually see uh, the, uh, the GIF that I've got going on here, it's, uh, it's Bob Barker spinning the wheel. <laughs> Is this, this isn't the Plinko wheel. Um, I forget the actual name of this. I actually used to, I used to watch this a ton when I was growing up. Love Price is Right. Control. Control is the name of the game. Control as many things as you can. The more that, the more that you can the more that you can, can control, the more that you win. Okay. 
engagement. So this is the last thing that we're going to talk about today. Um, and we can always expand um, on a lot of these different ideas and concepts on a later webinar. Uh, but we're going to go back to uh, where we originally where we originally started, which is sales ability. Your ability to sell and engage, you can absolutely control that. And one of and one of the different things that you are going to be having to deal with in the engagement of the initial prospect and prospective client are objections. So what are the different types of objections or what are some of the most common objections that you are going to get when you are talking to a prospective client? These are the three that I think come up almost every single time, time and time again. So remember, we were talking about objection handling. Handle the objection before it becomes an objection. The more that you can determine what the objections are going to pop up are going to be, the greater probability you are going to have for success. And that's the reason why I was talking about scripts earlier. Because if you can nail down what you're going to tell a client or say to a prospect every single time and say it verbatim without thinking, you no longer have to think about all those different variables. Now you can watch the client and their reaction and you can better handle objections. All right, so first one, experience. They will absolutely vet you from an exterior, from an experience standpoint. The second one is around costs. I had a really good, a realtor that I worked with from day one, that it's actually becoming a really good, a, re a really good friend. He had a really, a really cool, um, a really good cool quote when it came to costs. Um, he said something to this effect. Everything is expensive in absence of perceived value. What does that mean? And I know Ben, Ben talks about this a lot as, as well. Um, he's, I've heard him use the burger analogy many times. Everything is expensive in absence of value, of perceived value. So if the value that you are bringing to your client is so overwhelming in relation to how much your service costs, it's a no-brainer. You're not going to have to ask them, hey, do you want to move forward? They're going to stop you mid-sentence. And then the last one is social proof. So all these three, three different things combined, what, they're, what the client is trying to evaluate in their mind of you is, is this person that they are talking to credible? So when you're talking to these prospects, you need to talk about your experience. Talk about some, some of the different types of um, wins that you've had in the past, your accomplishments. Without them asking, give them a fun story about something that you recently had to handle to show them that you have experience. 
talk if you have a certification clients love certification it shows that you've gone out of your way to be that subject matter matter expert we talked about costs and why that's so important and why and why that's important important one to handle because it's going to come up every 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 single time always compete on the experience and value not on cost because if you compete on cost it's a it's a never ending slide spiral downwards but again if you can show them enough value the cost is no longer a factor they'll actually start asking i i can't believe that it actually doesn't cost more to work with you and when they say that you you know that you've done a good job the last one is social proof that's a big one in today's society you could show them everything else, but if you do not have people that are advocating for you and saying what an amazing person you are, both personally and professionally, it's not happening. They're not going with you. So what are some of the different things that we can do to show them that we're credible from a social proof standpoint? One of the ones is, I know, uh, reviews. I think reviews don't play, aren't, there isn't enough weight placed on them. There are a lot of inspectors and there are a lot of realtors out there where, where when I go to Google them, I don't really see a lot of reviews or the reviews are non-existent. That is a very easy way for you to handle that objection without you ever having to say anything. Let your clients say everything for you. Now, the other one that I think um, is really, really interesting. Um, I heard it earlier this year, um, and this is the last thing that I'll end with, and then we'll, we'll uh, looks like we've got about 10 minutes left, and then we'll open up, uh, open it up for some Q&A here, um, is uh, around social media. So it was a Gen Zer, um, and this Gen Zer said that, he said, Phil, you know, when I, when I was initially vetting you, you know, I was looking at all these different things, and it's, you know, and it's what we're going over over today on the webinar. You know, I went on, you know, I went on to Google. I saw you have a lot of reviews. Reviews are great, but anyone could write a review. I don't know that person. But what I really wanted to do was I wanted to see how often you're actually doing what you do. So home inspecting. I wanted to see you do it every single day. And I wanted to see what you encounter every single day. Educate me. And he said, since I watched you and your social media page for quite some time before I reached out to you, I already deemed you to be credible. How interesting is that? How profound is that? The client was watching my social media for quite some time. And because of the fact that I was showing and just doing what, what, what I do every single day, I was just recording it and then just posting it, posting it to social media. That client saw me opine on so many different things that I encounter every single day. And he was able to make the determination that this person has followers. This person knows what he's talking about because he speaks from experience. His voice doesn't waver and his certifications and his reviews 
essentially back up what I thought of it. And then that's what triggered the phone call. So um, that is all that I have um, in terms of uh, the engagement. We can expand a lot on this, uh, but that, that's all the time that we have. So the last thing that I'll leave you with before I open this up for questions, because we can actually um, expand on this uh, just on the engagement and handling objections before the, uh, handling the objection before it becomes an objection um, in a completely separate webinar. Um, but just remember that. That is one of the most important things that you can do as a salesperson, as a business leader. Read your client. Try to determine what they're going to use as reasons why they think they need to go elsewhere. And if you can come up with all the reasons that, that they are going to bring up and address them before they have a chance to, to, to mention them, you have a much greater chance of winning that client. All right, wow, gosh. <laughs> I know I said a whole bunch in such a short period of time. That, so that ends our webinar for this evening. And um, I want to open this up now to questions from the group. Awesome. And while you guys are getting your questions together and typing them out, I want to just remind everybody to put in for your CE credits at the end of the webinar. Um, each webinar, you get an hour of CE cred. And uh, just make sure you're, you know, on nachi.org slash webinar and checking out, you know, what our next webinar is going to be right now it looks like uh ben has part four of his introduction to seo for home inspectors that's going to be on friday december 8th at 2 p.m nope mine 8 a.m eastern time so make sure you register for that and uh philip it looks like we got at least one question all right, so I think that's, I think this is actually, um, so, to, so Tony said, I think that when you can distinguish the difference between, uh, Tony, this is actually really profound. Um, I think that when you can distinguish the difference between working on your business versus working in your business, things will change. So let me read that again. When you make the switch from working on your business versus in your business, things will change. Because it no longer, it no longer becomes um, just this thing where you have to do it. It becomes part of your life. It's part of who you are. And I, and I, think, part of, uh, I think part of the reason why there, there are uh, sometimes people can get burned out over sales is because it's just not a part of who they are. We all got into the roles that we are in now because at one point we enjoyed what we were doing. And when, we, and it, when, 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 when you really stop to think about it, it really no, it doesn't, it, it's no longer work if you actually enjoy what you're doing. And you're just talking and you're just finding yourself talking about it all the time because it's, it's what you love doing. Thanks, Tony. What other questions do you all have? Okay, um, so the next question 
So how do you prevent burnout? It's a really good question. It's very easy to get burned out. So I think one of the things that you need to do, or we all need to do, is we need to once every three months, so once a quarter, we all need to take some type of mini vacation. Now, mini vacation, it doesn't mean that you have to go to Mexico, fly over to the East Coast if you're on the West Coast, or West Coast if you're on the East Coast. Just do something completely different than what you do day in and day out. Maybe it's a day trip. It's winter now, so maybe go skiing. Go snow skiing. In the summertime, maybe it's maybe it's you're you're going to you're going to the beach. Maybe you're going to the lake. But I think there we all need to pre-plan something that we're going to be doing once every three months, once a quarter, that we're going to do for fun and put it into the calendar. Because what's going to end up happening is that if we don't put it and pre-plan it into the calendar now for next year, then life goes on. We get too busy and then it's not going to happen. And then what's going to end up happening is now you're just going to constantly work on the business and then you start to burn out. You need to take time for yourself. This is a good question. Thanks, Rob. Um, So North Star. So has your North Star vision shifted? With success, since since uh, with, with the success that I've obtained, um, yes, and, and that's actually something that I forgot to talk about. So thanks, Rob. Um, so that's the reason why Rob and everyone else that it's important to not just do the witty whiffy once and set it and forget it. Every year, every year, you should reevaluate your witty whiffy. What do you want for yourself? So when I started this, since I'm going into year four, my witty whiffy indeed has changed. So the reason why it's changed is, so I've discovered a love for new construction. Um, So much so that um, within the next five years, uh, I actually want to start to become a builder. I want to become a builder. So that's one of the reasons why we are now Dancer and Co. We will always have our inspection arm of the business, but we're gonna we're gonna be a custom boutique builder. We'll have um, we'll have four models, um, and the models will actually be named um, after both uh, both of my grandmothers, uh, my wife's grandmothers, um, and then we'll actually do. No, it's a fifth. There's a fifth one too. It's actually named after named after my mom. So, um, but yeah, it's 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 changed. Um, it's it's no it's no longer to be the uh, uh, the uh, the largest inspection firm. Um, in my DMV area, it's actually it's actually become uh, to, to become the most uh, notable builder in the area, but also have a very very notable home inspection arm as well. So, good question, Rob. What other questions are out there? Looks like we have one from Dave Decker in the Q and A part. In the Q&A part.
Dave, can you type in your question again? There, I got it. Oh, we've got we've got we've got a couple of questions here. I think I posted it in the chat. Thank you, AJ. You're awesome. All right. So let's go over Jay Hall's uh, comment. So what I liked about this class is the focus on changing your mindset as it relates to sales. Also, what isn't measured doesn't get done or approved. So we have to write or type our goals down. Thanks, Jay Hall. Yep, abs absolutely. I think that is uh, one of the biggest um, things to overlook. Writing writing down your own your own personal goals. All right, so Dave. So Dave said, I listened to you two years ago and you said to get to a 55 star reviews as fast as you can for social proof. I did talk about that, didn't I? Um, that helped out incredibly well. I focused on that and had a lot of success because of it. Now I know that the importance of social media or videos is important. You are a master at doing it. You have some filming you plan you do you have some filming you for you plan for videos or is it more of a self spontaneous type of filming that you do thanks dave um so going back to uh dave's original comment um so i, I made a comment on another uh, on another uh media forum um where we were talking about reviews and i was uh expanding upon how to actually get the phone to ring because when i first started out years ago i, I told my wife that the, uh, this was gonna be great. It was gonna be a great switch. It's, it's gonna be a great change. Um, people are gonna be calling left and right. Um, they, we're gonna have to beat them away with a stick. <laughs> um, and I, out of the gate, I don't think, I don't think we, I don't think the phone rang for, for three weeks. <laughs> three, three or four weeks. But the, but the people slowly, slowly started to come in. But I didn't notice an actual change until we hit 75 reviews. So David, it was actually 75. Um, once we hit 75 reviews, that's when my local area deemed that I was now credible. So it's going to be different from region to region. Um, some, you may find that once you hit 50 Google reviews, all of a sudden the phone just rings constantly every single day. Others, it might, it might be 100. But since we don't know what that magic number is, the name of the game for reviews is accumulate them as fast as possible. And then once you hit that number, you know. All right, um, so going back to uh, Dave's question um, was, do I, plan, do I plan for it or is it more spontaneous? Um, it's, so in terms of, since I don't have my own um, social media person yet, that is a goal, I have my own so social media person um, at some point that just follows me around all the time because it'll be much easier for me. Uh, to put out content um, is yes, a lot of it is spontaneous. So one of the neat things about what we all do on a daily basis is our industry, real estate in general, is a content machine. There is never a shortage of content. So whenever you encounter something, make a video of it and then do a selfie video of you explaining why whatever it is that you recorded is important. Remember, People are looking to your social media. They followed you for a reason because they are interested in what you do for some reason. 
there is going to be a life-changing event at some point in their near future that they are going to need you. And they are vetting you right now. So you don't have to post five stories every single day. You don't have to do a, uh, you don't have to do a post every single day. That gets draining really fast, but you do need to be consistent. Maybe let's start small. You do one, one story a week, one post a week, and slowly get into the rhythm of filming yourself and videoing what you're already seeing on a daily basis and slowly increase the consistency of those posts. So if you're getting a, an individual that you don't know who they are following you, you know that there's a great, there's a great chance that they have a life event coming up where they're going to need you. And if it's a realtor that's following you, you know at some point they're going to be calling you because either they need to add another person that they're going to recommend, they're falling out of love with a person that they recommend or the, or the people that they recommend, or they're brand new to the industry and they need to find people that they wanna recommend. But there's always a reason why they're following you. Social media is the best marketing platform ever. It's the best way to always stay on top of mind without, without showing up to their office or to their house with your handout. They can choose when they're going to be interacting with you. So, Dave, I hope that answers your question. Um, Preston asked, uh, made the comment or asked the question, on the same note of receiving reviews, oftentimes I get promised a review but never receive them. What is the best way to retain reviews without being a nuisance? Preston, good question. Good question. Okay, all right, I'm gonna share one of my best practices with you. So I actually, um, I didn't know, I didn't actually know this um, going in, but I actually kind of stumbled upon this <laughs> because I was struggling with reviews too um, when, when I first started. So here's what I found. So think about this, guys and gals. So just like we're working, throughout the day, we have a busy professional life, right? There are phone calls, um, there are things to inspect, there are emails that have to be responded to, there are fires that we have to put out. Every once in a while, our family's texting us or calling us, there's a lot going on. It's very, very easy to get distracted. So if you send them a link to a review during the day, what is the probability of them forgetting to review you? even though you did an amazing job. You were the, the best inspector that they've ever had help them. It's actually quite high. So then the question becomes, when is a good time? You have to, you have to when is a good time to, to send them a request for a review? The best time to send them a request for a review is when they are not doing anything. So you have two options. You can either A, send it to them when they're dead asleep, and we're not doing that because they're not gonna like us very much, right? <laughs> Or what's the other option? You can text them a link to the review at 8.30 o'clock or 8.30 at night, nine o'clock at night. There is a great probability that they are sitting in front of the TV, scrolling and surfing and just zoning out, binge watching their favorite show. You, you text them a link to your review and say, hey, here's the link to the review that I was telling you about. It would really help me and my family and my business out a lot if you just take a few minutes and just write a quick review. They're not doing anything else. 
So Preston, 8.30, 9 o'clock at night, text them, send them the link, remi remind them why it's important. You'll see a huge increase in your business. There were, there were several months where I've gotten 20 something reviews in a month. And it was just me at that, at that time. So good question, Preston. What other questions are out there for y'all? Let's see if we can do one more. And then we'll call it a, a good night for everybody. All right, so um, if no one has any other questions, I will talk about one. Oh, here we go. Oh, we've, we've, got, we've got several questions here now. Um, okay, uh, the question is about Blip. Um, is Blip effective or is it a complement to your review procurement system? Thanks, Jay Hall. Um, okay, so for those of you that aren't aware of what Blip is, uh, Blip is a review procurement service. Um, that helps you collect reviews. Um, so for me, I use Blip. It's another added layer of uh, a way to remind clients that it's important uh, to be able to, to, to review your experience. Um, I do also remind the clients why it's important um, by, by saying um, it's important to you know, have others in the community um, realize why it's important to get somebody out there that cares, right? Um, so, uh, just like any other profession, you're going to have you know, the cream of the crop, you're going to have, um, you know, middle of the road, and then you're going to have the opposite end. So um, reviews definitely, 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 definitely help. Um, so uh, check out Blip reviews. Um, I use them. I found them to be effective for me. Um, everyone's going to have a different experience, uh, but I, I do personally use Blip reviews. Um, Rob. Rob asked, hiring inspectors. What is the best way to find an inspector to help build the brand? Okay, um, so Rob, I'll answer your question, but then also um, talk about something else before we talk about hiring an inspector. Okay, so before you hire an inspector, you should actually hire support staff. Your first hire should be support staff. It should not be an inspector. So here's the reason why. If you're contemplating hiring another inspector, why would you be contemplating that? You're, you're contemplating it because you are in a position where you have so much work, you can't handle it all. It's overwhelming and it's stressful, right? So you would think that if you hire another inspector, it's all going to go away. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. And we're going to double, we're, we're, we're double our productivity. In actuality, it's actually counterintuitive. You hire another inspector before you hire support staff, guess what? You've now doubled your workload. Everything that you've been dreading and putting off to once at the end of the day, now you're going to have twice the amount of work. So that's why I think building up a good base and getting support staff first to take all those things off of your plate that you don't need to do on a daily basis is going to exponentially drive your business forward. Because without good support, it's only it's it, it, your what 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 you're feeling now and what's driving you to try to pick up another inspector is only going to get worse. 
But once you get that support staff in place, yes, go for your go for the first inspector. So what's the best way to find an inspector? You know, I think it's I think everyone has everyone has different personalities and everyone's business is is, is going to be tailored to how they actually run it, right? But I think when you look for an inspector or any type of um, service role, uh, because when when I think about a sales type of business, um, I view us um, as as salespeople, um, and actually not that 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 tech, technically competent person. Um, but you need to find uh, you need to find a person that has the heart of a of a of a servant first. You need to find somebody that cares and wants to do a good job, and you can. You, you can determine that by just talking to them and seeing what their personality is like. I would go for those types of personalities and prioritize that type of personality first versus finding someone that's technically competent. Because you could find someone that's very technically competent, but if that person doesn't care and doesn't find and doesn't see the value in educating the clients, but then also spreading the word as to why it's so important to hire your company, your company's not gonna grow. So um, Rob, I hope, hope that answers your question. Um, Dual asks, is there a way to show or highlight your reviews uh, to your social media? Yeah, absolutely. Abs, abs, absolutely. Um, so, don't be bashful, don't be shy. Every single time that you get a review, that's free marketing for yourself and for your business. So what you should be doing is you should be, you should be at somehow posting it, to, uh, posting it uh, to all the different social media platforms that are out there. Put it onto stories if you have IG, post about it too. There are lots of different, um, there are lots of different apps that you can use uh, to dress it up and make it look pretty. Um, the one that I have is, uh, it's called Unfold. Um, I actually use Unfold for a lot of different things, uh, but I use Unfold uh, sometimes to dress up my reviews and, and make them look nice. Uh, but absolutely uh, get those reviews onto your social media platforms. Um, so that way everyone can see what a good job you're doing. Uh, because it's, it's, it only goes so far when you, when you say that you do a great job. You want other people to, to advocate for you, right? So. Um, Rob, uh, Rob, uh, Rob asked, uh, new etiquette tips with builders. Okay, uh, so for those of you that don't know, um, our family company is known uh, for new construction here in the DMV. So the majority of what we do is actually centered around new construction. Um, so etiquette when it comes to the builders is I think the biggest one that you can do um, to get on, to get into the builders good graces. And I don't mean good graces, meaning um, you know, make it make those builder reports friendly. I mean, demonstrating uh, to the builders uh, that you're not there to make their life harder. You're there to be able to uh, be an asset to their team. Because when you are brought in and engaged in order to be a part of that build team, you're going to be commenting, opining on the quality of the build, right? And so most of the builders um, in their contracts will actually say something to the effect that they are not required to do anything that that home inspector, that your home inspector says. They're only required to let you in or to let that inspector in. 
I know a lot of builders that will only look at the first five comments or first five defects on those reports. And if they look at the first five comments or first five defects on the report and they're not deemed to be credible, guess what's happening to your report? Goes in the trash. So going back to etiquette. So one of the things that I used to do when I first started and the builders had no idea who I was, I called them. I called that site supervisor. I made sure that I got the name of the site supervisor and phone number and email if I couldn't reach them by phone. I would call and introduce myself. I would say something to the effect of, hey, hey, Miss Urbis is site supervisor. My name's Phil. I'm with Dancer and Co. Just so you know, I'm going to be inspecting lot A12. Uh, lot A12 is, is for this particular family. I'm super excited about it. Um, is, is, uh, I know we've got the inspection coming up on the 12th. Um, do you think that's going to be a, real, a realistic uh, time frame for me to come in, or do you think we, we should change that? And then they'll, they'll comment. And then, and, then I'll, and then I'll say something to the effect of, look, the other thing that I want to do is I want to make your life as easy as possible, because I know you have a lot of deadlines. So if you don't mind, I would be more than happy to actually walk you through my report before I leave. I want you to find everything that I discovered easily. What do you think that's going to do to the site supervisor's opinion of you? Nobody does that. Showing them where everything is, especially when they don't know who you are yet and they're not familiar with your report, will actually paint you in a good light. So, good question, Robert. All right, uh, any other questions? Guys, any other questions? All right, so the last thing that I'll leave you all with because I do want, because I do want to mention it um, is in going back to the whole um, concept of, of our, our, protect, our perspective prospects, hopefully turning into clients, deeming us to be credible. Where is the first place that they're going to land? once they come off of our social media pages, when they're vetting you, they're going to land on your website. Your website is your modern day business card. It's also your modern day brochure. So all the different things that we've talked about today in terms of handling the objections up front. And let me go back to that. Let me go back to that slide. So experience, cost, social proof, where can all those objections be handled without you ever having to pick up the phone and talking to the client? Your website. Your website can handle and address all those objections upfront. So by the time that they call you, if done well and properly, it's more of a, hey, do you have time to inspect this house? Can you come inspect my house? because everything on your website has answered all the questions for them. And the reason why I mentioned that is because a lot of the websites that I see from a lot of the different home inspectors that are out there from across the country, there's a lot of room for improvement. Get those websites tweaked up. Make, them, make your websites do all of your heavy lifting for you because we're all busy. The last thing that we wanna do is, is jump on a call that's half an hour long trying to convince a client as to why we're credible. Let the website sell you. 
right, that's all I have, guys. <laughs>